0: Okay, third chapter of Genesis. We're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to throw him a curve up there. We'll start in verse 1. Third chapter, verse 1. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We can eat from the fruit of the garden, of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat, or you shall sur- or even touch it, lest you die. And we know what happens next. She listened to the voice of the enemy. She was tempted by that. And she partook of the fruit of the forbidden tree. And... Once she decided it was going to be good enough for her, she gave to her husband, and he partook. Because he listened to her voice, he thought she reasoned through it, made sense to him, and he partook as well. So the Lord said, we're going to switch now to uh, to verse 14, chapter 3, verse 14. The Lord God said, To the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast on the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between, and here's where it's like I got some revelation early this morning. And I felt it was really powerful, and this may not be new revelation to some of you. This might be, oh, you didn't know that? Well, probably, you probably didn't go to Bible school, Pastor Len, and you're probably right. I've relied on Holy Spirit to show me, to direct me, and I feel like when the time is right, He shows me, directs me, and I just bring what I've learned. So here we go. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and your seed where she was talking about the seed of, either the seed of Satan, the seed of the serpent, however you want to interpret this, and her seed, and I discovered only this morning that seed was capitalized. Like, oh, so... What is a capital letter when it's a description of, of a hymn or a seed or its deity? It's talking about Jesus or God. It's like, okay between the seed of the woman which is deity, which is Jesus Christ not yet come. Which is the prophetic word that says the seed of the woman will be our Savior Jesus Christ. So wow, he used the woman. (laughs) The enemy used the woman. But great God above, uses the woman for redemption because the promise of our Savior, Jesus Christ, was prophesied right here in the third chapter. It's like, oh my goodness. And then it says, he, the devil, the the serpent, shall bruise, no, excuse me, we're going to get this Flowing a little more clearly. It's getting more clear for me here. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Once again, a capital H, his heel. When I've read this a hundred times before and when you've heard messages on this before, it's like we're talking about us. It's us that's going to end up bruising his head, right? I mean, that's what I always thought. That's what I always believed but we're seeing a prophetic word right here talking about, and Jesus will be bruising the head. It will be his heel bruised by the head of the serpent, by the head of Satan. Right? It's just not just, it's like, oh, yes, yes, yes. But here's the beauty, and here's where we're going to go with this next. We're going to We're going to switch fairly quickly into some New Testament stuff, where the promises are. This is the prophetic word, talking about Jesus coming, and the head of the serpent, the head of the enemy, will be at the feet of Jesus. So I just really quickly want to go, yeah, I heard a hand clap got started right there. I think we could just have a hand clap right there. It's like, yes. Yes. I don't do a lot of study into the, in, into the enemy, or, or, but we're going to talk about him some because he has been defeated and his head is at the feet of Jesus, <laughs> prophesied in Genesis 3. Okay, uh, some, of the, some of the scriptures. Can we just pull these scriptures up like really fast as we go here? Uh, Matthew 28, 18. I wonder why that doesn't come up on that screen anymore. Matthew 28 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then we go to Ephesians 1. We're going to be 19 through 22 in Ephesians 1. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working power? of the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Jesus has been given all authority over all things from the beginning to the end. Prophesied in the third chapter. And then I would like to have Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So we have been empowered by Jesus Christ. Once we have asked him, he's come in to us, empowered us to do those same works. So Satan's head is under our feet, in through and under the power of Jesus. 1 First Colossians First 1.27 Colossians To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in who? In who? You, me, us. Yes, you, me, us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now I want to go to Luke 10. We're going to go verses 18 through 20. And Jesus, he Jesus said to them, his disciples, the, the bunch that he had just sent out, "I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on what? <laughs> on what? <laughs> Representing the enemy, the seed of the enemy demons, serpents, the devil, to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing, oh, but let's finish. It gets even better. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. So we just tracked through those scriptures and it said Jesus was given all authority over everything heaven, earth, earth, All things, all time, and he has transferred that authority to us as he works through us. His power in us, the hope of glory, his power in us, established to overcome all of the works of the enemy, and none of these things, the works of the enemy, will harm us. If we have the faith, if we believe, if we operate in that authority... Is that not good news? Well, I said we're going to get to a point where you're going to think, wow, this sermon is finished already. It's like, no, we're just beginning. But that's some really great news. We have been given that authority because Jesus was given that authority as was prophesied that the seed of the enemy would be under his feet, which is now under our feet. Is so that track, trail, trail? pretty easy to follow and understand right there and we've proven it with scriptures so we're good move to the next step well I think I'm going to share a little bit of my belief system and you can say yeah I don't completely agree with that and I will grant you that I don't even like to argue so I will let you argue with somebody else that believes the way I do and I can start naming some of them, like Benji. Where's Benji? (laughs) He loves to argue. Uh, (laughs) Debate. Teach and debate. Teach and debate. Not argue. Teach and debate. Uh, Yeah, not argue. Uh, Okay, Lynn, back on track. We're talking about Satan falling. I saw, Jesus saw Satan fall like lightning, and we think, okay, Adam and Eve, we're going to back up to Adam and Eve for just a little bit. Adam and Eve had perfection in the garden, didn't they? I mean, it didn't even have to rain on them because there was a mist that came up. Everything was just, was perfect. They were given all authority. Everything was was perfect in the garden for them. But there was one thing that that, that happened and one thing that they weren't supposed to do was to eat and partake of that fruit. And I just think man they were creations that were made in God's image first let's say God's image i was created in God's image look at your neighbor and say you were created in God's image god is truly amazing isn't he <laughs> and you were created in his image okay there's a couple things that i think and believe about satan and i don't like that so i don't like to study a lot about that but I believe that as Adam and Eve, particularly Eve uh, in the beginning, was deceived by a voice who caused her to be tempted because of a certain discontentment which she didn't even realize she had. I think about that for a second. That sounds a little bit a little crazy, but when you don't know of something that you could be missing and it is advertised to you. It's like, "Oh, well that would be good to have." I think that would be awesome to have. I think I'm missing out on something. Does this make sense? It's like, "Oh, whoa." well, now I have a reason to be discontent where everything should be perfect right here. God created for me, gave me something, put me into a situation that was absolutely perfect with nothing missing, but a voice came to me which started to advertise, broadcast, and use my senses, one, two, three, four, or all five of my senses to convince me that I'm missing out on something. It's like, so... I am convinced to be discontent so I need to partake. Does this make sense? Okay. So, sh- she partook. Now, Satan was in an environment of perfection as well. Wouldn't you say? In the heavenly environment of worship and praising God. And, but he looked at it's like, how oh, well, this is probably not a good question to ask. <laughs> I was going to say, how many of you were content to be in the number two position? <laughs> it's like we all like to win, right? <laughs> yeah, somebody agreed with me. Everybody else is afraid, like, where are you going with this? Okay, we want to be we we want to be winners. There's uh, there's a little something inside of us that says I really I, I look and I see somebody and I can become jealous pretty easy because of what they have or the power that they possess or even how they look. It's like we're we're in a culture that is so driven by looks and perfection that we can see decide and become oh quite discontent because. <laughs> My cheekbones aren't high enough. I don't have enough chin. I need an injection in my chin, and I need higher cheekbones. And, and uh, it's like, oh, my goodness, I need to dye my hair. It's turning gray. That's not funny. Uh, so it, it's easy to decide I am discontent when I look at others and compare myself to others. Right? So, I mean, Paul's really clear about we're not supposed to be comparing ourselves to others. We were created uniquely and special and to be a a one-of-a-kind in comparison. But there is a pride that has to be killed at some point because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And sometimes pride and our jealousy or even to look at someone, we can determine that we are discontent because we're not quite as good and we would like to end up holding that position. I'd rather be the boss than the one who's bossed, right? I would rather be in the top position so I don't have to be paying attention to someone who's telling me what to do. And I feel like that's where Satan ended up. Even though he was in a place of perfection, he looked at God and he was created to be so amazing, so handsome, so beautiful, and he was proud of that, but he looked at God and said, yeah, but he's got more. I'm number two to God and I'm not pleased about that. And then he turned around and looked at creation and it's like, Man was created in the image of God, and I wasn't. So I believe that's another something that creates enmity between God, between God and man, between, between Satan and man. Does this make sense? Yeah. Okay, so... Two things. Satan fell. He was kicked out. He fell like lightning as he was kicked out of heaven. And he was kicked out because he decided that he should be equal. He was jealous of man and jealous of God. From my perspective. This is not 100%. This is my interpretation. Okay. So, Satan was tempted... Through his discontentment, and he lost heaven, lost his position completely. Okay? Make sense? And Adam and Eve lost their perfection, lost the garden because of sin, discontentment, consequences of sin. Everybody say there's consequences to sin. We can be forgiven. But there will always be consequences. Okay, two streams right there. We're going to go through the through through number three right now, and for number three, we're going to go back, um, Exodus chapter fifteen. Somebody's listening and following. Now I'm talking about the children of Israel, which another, we talk about casting types and casting shadows, like the prophetic word in Genesis 3 right there, like the seed of the woman, such great, great, great news, and how Mary, Mary was that woman that produced the seed So through Mary came Jesus Christ, because of her obedience to the word of the Lord came our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because she said, let it be unto me, let it be unto me. So redemption for women through Mary, through the (laughs) birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because she said yes to God. Okay, now Moses was the one to set free those chosen Hebrew children. The children that were captives, they were slaves in Egypt, set free of all bondage. It's like, how many of you have been set free from all of the bondage that you you have endured? Eighteen people in a congregation of over 300 people have been set free. Let's let's vote again. How many people have been set free from sin and condemnation? And, uh-oh. I'll raise two hands to make up for a couple of you. Uh, it's like, wow. Okay. These guys were completely set free. They were enslaved, and it got worse and worse and worse in their slavery. If you go back and study the, the three or four chapters before this, it's like, Man, it was horrendous. The slavery that they were under, the bondage that they were under, they were set free, they were no longer captives, and they went and they ended up at the Red Sea, and God did an incredible miracle at the Red Sea, and he parted the Red Sea for them to walk through on dry ground. It's like, man, that's a story we've heard since we were in Sunday school as little kids, right? Amazing, amazing. And we read in, in, in 15, we could go through all of these, but I don't think I want to... Yeah, I'll just read it really fast. Chapter 15, Moses and the children of Israel on the other side of this big body of water and decided it's time to praise the Lord. Look what's happened. The bodies of the Israelites, every single one of them, every horse, every chariot, every warrior, every battle-ready battle warrior was drowned in, in, in the Red Sea. And their bodies are washing up on the shore, and they're seeing not one single survivor. And so they decide it's time to celebrate the goodness of God. And I will begin reading this, and I'm going to read really fast, but we're going to read about 20 verses real quick. "'I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider, He's thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song.'" He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. So this is what the people are saying and singing after this big victory that they've seen, completely set free. Their pursuers, their aggressors are dead, killed, not even to be worried about anymore. My father's God, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army, he casts into the sea. His chosen captains are also drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy to pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you've overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath, which consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright like a heap, like a wall, and the depths concealed the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I'll draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders, God? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You and your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Palestina, the and the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. The inhabitants of Kalin will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. Now they're speaking prophetically over what's going to happen as they head for the promised land and their adversaries. What's going to speak? This is prophetically speaking. Fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of your arm. They will be as still as a stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. They were pretty happy. They were pretty pleased right there. It goes on. For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea. The Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them, but the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went after her with timbrels and with dances. So they are major, big time celebrating. And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider, he's thrown into the sea. Yeah. <sighs> what an incredible, incredible victory. And they're celebrating, and they're dancing, and they're playing the, the timbrels, and they're, and they're just having a fabulous celebration time because they are free. Yeah. And they're led into the wilderness. And there's a temptation that comes with the flesh because we have five senses. We hear, we smell, we taste, we feel. What's the. Oh, and and we see. We see the five senses, you know? And their five senses started speaking to them very quickly. He says, You've brought us out here, we're going to die of thirst. You brought us out here into the wilderness now to die of thirst? They forgot all about their freedom. They were set free, healed up, adversaries gone, wiped out. Next step, it's like, oh, let's check with the five senses. I'm thirsty. Oh, we're going to die in the wilderness because I'm thirsty. It's like, do you not think God is going to take care of that thirst? Moses says, what am I going to do with these people, Lord? Anyway, he provided water for them. Then he provided manna for them. And still they grumbled, and they grumbled, and they grumbled. He created a situation that would have, could have been clothes that didn't wear out, sandals that didn't wear out, always provision of water, always provision of food. They were taken care of with anything they needed, but... They were discontent because they knew of some things that no longer they had. Everybody say discontentment. Discontentment. Set in. in. Then grumbling started. Grumbling against Moses. Man, any time that something starts to really go wrong, most of us are looking for who to blame. That woman you gave me? (laughs) This leader that you have chosen for us, he's taken us out here, and we're going to die of thirst, we're going to die of starvation. They forget about who led him out there, who's taken care of all of these issues, who's a little bit frustrating, but what can you just say with me again, discontentment. They became discontent with their situation. In all three cases, they became discontent with their situation, and through that discontentment, they lost out on not a single one of them from that generation was able to cross over into the promised land. They lost out through, because of their discontentment. Is anybody listening? Does it make sense yet? I got a word that I wrote down on one of these pieces of paper this morning. that I would like to read exactly the way that I wrote it down. If only I can find it. (laughs) Found it. I made way too many notes for this, so we can be here a while. (laughs) Discontentment becomes the breeding ground where sin is conceived. Mm. Would you like me to say that again? We just studied three streams. Satan lost out. Adam and Eve lost out in what God had created and where God had put them. The children of Israel lost out on what God created and where he had put them. Each one of them, discontentment caused them to lose the goal that was set before them, that their destination was lost. Discontentment becomes the breeding ground where sin is conceived. Well, i got one more wow. I'm going to read it again. Discontentment becomes the breeding ground where sin is conceived. You just have to ponder that a little bit. I had to this morning after I wrote it down. It's like, whoa, wow, that's almost scary. Now, when I wrote three things down yesterday or last night, like, and I think eh, if I use one of those, I'll be like Pastor Tim. I'll be apologizing for something I said from the from the pulpit. <laughs> we have five senses that pretty much we are filtering everything through, and those five senses are, are are what we see, what we smell, what we taste, what we touch or what we hear and when i think of what 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 happened to eve every one of those five senses um sensory mechanisms those senses were used first was the voice that convinced her to really check this out it's like you know we're bombarded we we live in a day that we're a bombard sensory overload bombarded with with voices, 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 voices. We're bombarded with what we see and go, oh, that would be nice. That, Oh, I would love to have that. Wouldn't that be awesome to have that? It's like, man, I didn't even know that existed, but now I know that I need that. It's like, wow. Well, and I do have these credit cards right here. It's for 49 I could own that per month. It's like... Okay, so our senses are bombarded today as Eve's. She, she, she heard, she saw, oh, she l- tasted, she smelled, and decided, you know, this makes sense, so I'm going to give it to my husband. Like every one of us in this day today have a struggle with contentment because. Of what we continuously see when we're watching TV, when we're on the internet, or when we're just looking at ads, when we're on Facebook, it's just like, oh my goodness! Everybody just say sensory overload, overload. which we have to sort through and determine when (laughs) what is contentment to me. Where do you find contentment? Where do you find peace? And if you are not content, then you don't have peace in your life. Is that not right? Discontentment means lack of peace. It's like when God says, here, I've created this for you, I put you in this environment. I put you in this place. Uh, Jesus came that I might have life and have life to the abundance. Well, I can have abundant life in whatever situation that God puts me in if, in Romans 12, verse 2, I don't conform to the standards of this world, but am transformed by the renewing of my mind Because my mind is overloaded with all of these sensory things where voices, sight, what I hear, what I smell, what I taste, what I want. I can get to the place that, you know, I'm going to. I kind of narrowed this down to, there are three, Ryan, I'm going to blame you for this because you didn't say, oh, you should not say that. (laughs) I rambled a bunch of stuff by my son-in-laws. He stood outside in the dark fighting mosquitoes while I sat in my truck with a window rolled down this far because (laughs) I caught him outside after a run. And I said, Ryan, blah, 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 blah. I just started going, uh, uh-huh, uh, 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 Yeah, yeah. I said, Are you getting any, uh, huh uh, uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, I love that kid. Man, so happy that he found my daughter or she found him. It's like, what a blessing to our family and to this church. If you haven't met Ryan, you need to. He, this kid, he's amazing. But, so, Ryan, I'd like you to finish this message for me. <laughs> okay. At least this one part right here. No. No, I I, I just told him last night, I said, you know, it, it kind of comes down to when we when we look at, at contentment, how easy it is to be, you know, comparing ourselves to to others. I said, or you can even find yourself when you get to a point in a place that you have a major disagreement with your wife or something where you can start comparing your wife to someone else's wife or even to another woman or something. And it's just like, instead of, God, I am so thankful for this woman that you gave me. Instead, it's like, you know what? She did this and she did this and I deserve and da-da-da-da-da. Or it can, uh, it's like, man, heaven forbid, she puts on 30 or 40 pounds and you look and it's like, wow, that really looks good over there. No, I'm being serious. You know, that we can so easily become distracted by what we see, by the visions that we're... It, yeah. You could go on the Internet and you can accidentally click in a one spot. It's like, oh, how would I get here and how do I get rid of that? Um, and so we're bombarded. We are absolutely bombarded by that, both men and women. I'm not just... So we we can say women, it's like... oh. My husband's six-pack turned into a keg and that is not very a- a- appealing to me anymore. It's like, man, and I went to the gym and you should see those guys in the gym. They wear these like, you know, skimpy little, I, what we call wife beater shirts, but which shows just about everything and it's skin tight and look at their abs. It's like, oh my goodness, I need to get home to my husband. <laughs> No, you know what I'm talking about. We can be tempted, and because we have allowed that temptation, we listen to the voice, we've got these five things that we start processing from, instead of listening to the voice of God and the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, we start listening to other voices or other things that we see, and it can start making sense to us if the wrong voice is chirping in our ear. So I told Ryan, if you ever even have a thought like that, I have people that will beat the living daylights out of you, so don't you forget it. Oh, that, just saying. So. Maybe it's a good thing that I lost the note that I wrote those three things on, Uh, right? Oh, no. So there are basic human needs. You know, something, I'm going to just revisit this just a little bit. You know, fasting is something that I would, it's like I would, that makes no sense to me. Why would I starve myself? Why do I want to be hungry? What benefit? would that be to me? And I said, like, you know, I have a blood sugar thing, and I really need to keep food in my... He's like, I'm not going to... I'm not going to... Finally, 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 when I began to fast, and the things that I asked for during a fast, the first time I ever fasted, God's amazing how He works these, these kind of things out. All three things that I asked for were granted that I was praying for during a fast. That was like my first time. It's like, oh... But when you start to deny your flesh by fasting, because it's one of the basic things of our flesh, you know, these five senses are what represent the Bible talking about our flesh, the lust of our flesh, the desires of our flesh. And when, we des- when we desire, when we deny that flesh for a little while, it starts to kind of scream out a little bit. But self-control is one of those fruits of the Spirit that says, I can't have control over my flesh. I don't need to let my flesh control me. I don't need to let my hunger and thirst control me because I believe and I trust in God who is the giver of all good things. So a fast has become a very spiritual thing to me because I know that I'm overcoming my flesh, that I've taken control over it and said, you know, hunger, you step aside, I'm going to drink another glass of water and I'm going to just shoot up a quick prayer because it reminds me so quickly those little hunger pangs uh, of how good God is and how amazing His provision is in my life. So there are three things that as not just as adults, i just say as humans, that we have to contend with in this temptation realm. And it is very much of our flesh, and I call it hungry, thirsty, horny. You're right, Ryan, I probably shouldn't have used it. No, see, God, we c- were created with sexual desire for a reason that you would multiply, be fruitful, and multiply. So it's a God given desire. And it's something that needs to be led <laughs> by the Holy Spirit. And these two kids over here are 27 and 28 years old and were married as virgins. Incredible, yeah. incredible. self-control, and obedience. It's because those are the the three things that very much are... God says, I created you, I put you in an environment that was good, and it is good for you, if you will follow my leading, pay attention to the Holy Spirit because the only authority that we will carry or that we will walk in is that Holy Spirit that is within us. It's His mighty power working in us that gives us power, authority, and ability to overcome the enemy, to overcome any and every temptation in our life, to overcome discontentment and become content. I'll never forget... Paying, praying, and I've shared this story more than once, and you all got to meet Nacho from Mexico, my buddy Ignacio. Nacho from Mexico, after praying for him and, and Holy Spirit encountered him the first time, and he was laying back on his desk, and when he, and when he came back around and I talked to him and, and asked him, so Nacho, ex- tell me, tell me, what, what is your experience? What did you experience under the power of God when the presence of God was all over you like that? And he pondered for just a little bit and his response was like, there's nothing missing. It's like, whoa. What a great... In the presence of God, under the power of God, but in the presence of God, we're lacking nothing. In the presence of God, we're lacking nothing. So... What do we do to maintain walking in his presence, staying in his presence? John 14, 20. I want to just um, probably close with this. Well, a couple more scriptures. John 14, 20, 21, 19 through 21. Jesus says, Those who love me keep my commands. I will love them. My Father will love them. I'm in my Father. My Father's in me. And you will be in us. We will be in you. And those who love me keep my commands, and I will manifest myself to them. And when I think of physical, the, the manifestations of Jesus, I can have Jesus living in me, and his manifestations become something that I can perceive through the five senses. this makes sense? Not just knowing that he's there, but... He will manifest His presence in my life in a variety of different ways. I might start shaking. I might, I might start trembling. I might have something where I, just, where I start to pray and open my mouth, and it's like, and that's not uncommon at all. But I might end up feeling such an incredible peace that all I want to do is just lay down because it's like, oh, oh. You see, he manifests himself to us to become real to us through our senses, physical manifestation. How many have sensory through your senses have experienced the manifestation of Jesus? Yeah, it's just almost everybody. Almost everyone has. It's amazing. Yes. It's, that, that's what... Uh, we covet that physical manifestation. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. That's beautiful. But it's... Here's where we're going we're gonna to land. In uh, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Oh, well, I may have to look one up, huh? Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state that I am to be content. We can just stop with that one. We don't even have to go with... This is Paul speaking, and he says, Not that I'm complaining about being in need, because I've learned in whatever state that I find myself to be content. Everybody say, content. The next scripture, 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment is basically a feeling of lacking nothing. Everything is, is fulfilled in my life, and I can be there. I can be there. But you know how I will find contentment in my marriage? You know how I will find contentment in my relationships? You know how I will find contentment in my job or in my daily life. Psalms 118.24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. (laughs) This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I used to take Christy Lynn to school for a couple of years, and every day as we are entering the school parking lot, so I didn't have to just shove her out of the car and, and beat her to get her in the door. We would sing this song together. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And by the time she exited the car, she was going away glad rather than, don't make me go to school, don't make me go to school. She was going out the door glad. And Psalms 104 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter his courts with praise. It's like, you know what the antidote to discontentment is? Looking at... Looking at every blessing in our life and everything we possibly can look at to see the positive in it, count it as blessing and thank him for it. Another scripture says, Rejoice in the Lord. Again I say rejoice. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Part of a song. Praise Him from where all blessings flow. And thank Him. Psalms 118.21 is thanks to Him for salvation. There's a whole string of things to be grateful for and scriptures. Uh, Jesus, when when the loaves, the miracle of the loaves and fishes, when Jesus... Received the bread and the just a couple of the the few fish, he thanked God for them and then blessed them. And then they fed everybody for the last supper. Jesus thanked God for the provision for the bread and for the cup. And he thanked him and he blessed it. It's like there are so many things. Psalms 136:1 says give thanks to the Lord he's good and his mercy endures forever. <clears throat> Colossians 2:6 says that we would be overflowing with thankfulness. To be overflowing with thankfulness. So the antidote to discontentment is to be grateful for all of the blessings we have in our lives, for the situation, for the people that he's put in our lives. For the provision that he's given us and that he is our God Amen. and we're so thankful that Jesus came that Jesus died shed his blood for us for you and for me that we could have that abundant life that we could be in freedom Even in the middle of chaos, we can have peace in our lives through contentment. Does this make sense? Are we all good? There is one more place that I wanted to go. Are you good for like five more minutes? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then we're going to go to the Scripture, and then I'll elaborate on the Scripture. And that would be probably, let's see, it would be Revelation 3, probably nineteen twenty. I don't know if I gave it this. Yeah, that's 19. Yeah, so we're going to do 19 and 20. As many as I love Jesus speaking, I rebuke and chasten... Therefore, be zealous, be excited, be in a hurry, be passionate about, and repent. It's like, get things cleaned up, cleaned out. Because behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, dine with him, and he with me. Let's look at the next one too, 21. Revelation three twenty-one if there is a 21. Overcomers. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne all as I also overcame, sat down with my Father on his throne. It's like, man, to those who overcome temptation, to those who overcome discontentment, to those who are overcomers in every situation because we can find peace and contentment wherever he puts us. He, when he knocks on the door and we open the door, will come in. This is what I want to elaborate on just a little bit. I feel like we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want God in our life. We want to be led by that Spirit of God that will lead us into all truth, completely empower us over any of the wiles of the devil of the enemy. We can stomp on his head if we have allowed that power to come in us, work through us, giving him us his strength, his wisdom, his guidance. But the other day, we had uh, Harkies came to our. To our home, and they stayed with us. And Renee got crazy busy cleaning that house up. She wanted it to be perfect. She wanted it to be spotless. She wanted every room to be that way, except the master bathroom. We just closed that door. They're not going in there. Well, we live there, and she has a lot of products to keep her beautiful. <clears throat> And it's just too many to put away. So uh, they're going to be in our house. They're going to have access to the house. We just said, man, make yourselves home. Here's the refrigerator. Here's even the laundry room was spotless. Here's the laundry room if you need to do laundry. You know, make yourselves at home. But we're locking the door to the bedroom and the master bathroom back there. And the scripture that we just read, it's like be zealous and repent as he rebukes and corrects. It's like we need to open every door. It's like we ask him in, but we can have him in one room because we got to keep this one special and keep the Door locked, so I just I I just don't need you going in there and meddling in that room. If you'll just stay in this uh, in these rooms, you're more than welcome. But here, I'm embarrassed by what's in this room and what you might see, so I'm gonna just have to ask you to stay out of that room. If we want to walk, operate in the full authority that He has for us. We have to open all of the doors, and he said, Behold, I stand and knock. we got to open up, open up, open up, open up, and let him examine every room, look through every door, bring the rebuke and correction to clean out any room that needs to be cleaned out, and then be obedient to his voice to do exactly that. So as we close, something that I, I was really pondering and meditating on, it's like, wow, God, how do, we, how do we do that? How do we do that? And it's become, this is something that I talk to the staff about, particularly the guys that come up right under me. It's like being vulnerable and transparent, vulnerable and transparent we need complete honesty if we're going to end up operating in the power and authority that he has for us we need to be vulnerable transparent fling open every door are you ready this morning you ready to fling open the door open wide up yeah well let's stand You know, really... um, It's for, like, to make a public declaration that said, yep, 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 I'm flinging the door open because I want to be totally transparent. I want every room revealed because I want to walk in all of that power and all of the authority, everything he has for me. I just ask you to come up front. I would ask you to come up front. If you're ready just to fling open the door and say, yes, all of me... You have all of me. I want to ex- <laughs> yeah. I want to expose it all. I want to expose it all. I don't want to hold any more back. I, I don't. I don't. I don't need to keep that room. I don't need to keep that door closed anymore, God. I want to open it up to you. I want you to speak to me. If you see something, you know, and it's not just a matter of saying. Jesus, you take it. Holy Spirit, you take it away. It's saying, I'm opening the door to you, and I'm willing to hand it off to you, because I don't want it anymore. I'm going to hand it off to you. Does this make sense? It's a process that we take, not just that we open up to him and say, here, you clean it out. It's like, no, you show me. We will co-labor. I'm going to hand it out to you and then you take care of it. Does this make sense? Like, you take care of it, Jesus. You take care of it, but I'm opening the door and I'm handing it out to you. This is a handoff. I'm I'm, I'm handing it out to you. All right. So, put your hands out. Father, I, I, I just thank you right now. I say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit come to everyone that's extending their hands and those even in the congregation that are that there's a thought process that's happening right now, that they're going through a thought process, maybe even a cleaning out process, an inventory process, God. But as we go through that inventory process before you, being transparent and open to you, with all of the doors open, and say, We receive you, Holy Spirit. Say that with me, receive you. We receive you, Holy Spirit. Come, reveal, cleanse, show me. And I give it to you to take care of. And I know because your word says that you will co-labor with me And to remove it, cast it as far as the east is from the west. I'm not carrying it anymore. I'm open to all that you have for me. Fill me. Empower me. Direct me. Show me. In Jesus' name. I receive all that you have for me. Amen. I just bless you. I release you in the name of Jesus, and I seal the deal. I seal the deal. I seal the deal. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We have a prayer team. Let's call a prayer team up here. If you have a any...